Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. While you're still standing, go with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 28. Acts 28, and begin reading at verse number 1. Amen. The Bible says, Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, the Bible says a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom thou, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Amen. And I just want to, to talk to us for the next little bit um, and probably just talk uh, from this title for you to consider, Pour It Out. Pour it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. You may be seated. Amen. Truly, uh, we are living in unusual times, and I... I feel like that I've been saying that every service, every time that we get a chance to gather together, I feel like I'm saying that a lot here lately, That, uh, and it's like, yes, we get it, Bryce. Uh, this is uh, definitely unprecedented, and uh, we're all running around actually looking for some precedents, like where is the precedence at? We need the precedents to come back. It's a bit unusual right now, but when you stop and think about it, who hasn't ever said that about the day that they lived in? And, and the reason for that is, is no one has ever been this far before. We are all collectively living in the unknown. No one has ever lived in 2021 before. No one. No one has ever been this far in human history. Now, there are definitely some similarities. Uh, there is one thing that we are all doing together collectively uh, that people before us did as well. And I mentioned this to Brother Bishop a couple weeks ago. One thing that we are all doing together is we are all dying together. We're all dying. At about 18 years old, 
our cells that make up our bodies, they start dying. It seems like every time I go get a haircut here lately, my barber keeps talking about the amount of gray hair that I have that is falling down to the floor as I'm getting a haircut. It's like, why do I come to you? Like, that's not, I don't want you to just point that out. I, find, I found myself in a conversation just the other day with my neighbor who was around the same age as me, and we were talking about landscaping and watering plants. And in the middle of my conversation, it dawned on me that I had just mowed my front yard two days in a row. And I thought, I am turning into my elderly neighbor just down the road who's just constantly working on his yard and making sure that it is just in prime condition. I walked in, I told Mal, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. What is happening here? I am an old man. It, it is amazing. How many of you know that we're not getting any younger? We're, we're not. There's no... I haven't found the fountain of youth. That's not happening. Not, and I'm not trying to sound dark at all, but we are all dying together. And I've, I've never died before. Have you ever died before? So, so this is new. We've never done this before. I've, I've had a September before. I've had a September. Anybody had a September before? I've had a September, this is my first September 2021. Now, I've had a September 2020. I've had one of those. I've had a September 2015. I've had a September 2012. I've even done a September 1986. But I've never done this September before. No one has. So we are all... In uncharted territory. We all have never been this far before. So in reality, we are all doing something that is unprecedented. And before you let that sink in and, and, and bother you this morning, I think you need to actually pump the brakes for a second. And I think you need to think and you need to think. I think you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. Everyone acts like this has all happened before. That, but, but this, this, this hasn't ever happened before. And to add to the mix, I've never been 35 before. But I am right now. This is all so new, and yet a lot of times we pretend like it's not. We are living in a culture right now that is, uh, it is very critical, and it is obsessed with categorizing people. It is obsessed with canceling people. And I, I, we're living in a culture right now, it, it, there's those things, it's, it, they put us in categories, it's very critical, and, and it's one that is obsessed with canceling. And I want you to think about that with me. What do you think that is doing to you and I? A lot of us are on edge. A lot of us are tense. Uh, some of us are critical. And then we are so quick in the day and age to put people ourselves, to put people in categories. But God doesn't do that. But we do. And I think that the environment 
uh, in this environment, the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, how do we live in this day and age? How do we operate? Because let's just be honest. Let's talk about what we really want to do. Let's talk about in a society that just wants to cancel people, what does that make us want to do? We want to cancel people. We, you know, we want to cancel people who cancel people, right? Oh, well, you're going to just cancel me? Well, I'll just, I'll just cancel you. <laughs> but you can't do that. You can't do that, for you will be just as they are. But that's what we want to do. <laughs> That's what we feel led to do. So how are we supposed to act, Bryce? How are we supposed to live? Here's the reality. The court of public opinion used to be in play for people on platforms, for people in the public view. Have you noticed lately how the game has changed? You don't need a following anymore. You don't need a platform anymore. You don't need any of that to be analyzed by the court of public opinion. We are all subject to it now. All of us. You don't need any of that stuff. Here's what I, here's what I can tell you. Here's what I've learned in my short time on this earth. Life will happen to you. That's what I've learned. Life will happen to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say life will happen to you? Life. Basically, what I'm saying is you're going to get bit. You're going to get bit. Now, if I was a preacher who had the answer, hey, you know what? If you just come and if you just do A, B, and C, and if you just do this, and if you give that, you can just guarantee yourself that you will never get bit. If I had that sermon, I would teach it every Sunday. I would preach it every Sunday and Wednesday, that here are the three ways that life is never going to take a bite out of your soul. Here's how you do it. But guess what? I don't have that. I don't have, I don't have that sermon. It's not in the Word. The Bible says Paul. Now, think about this. It was Paul, in our text this morning, Paul was the one that got bit. It's not Saul anymore. It, it was, it, it, if it was Saul, we would all be cheering like, yes, throw some more snakes on him over there. Yes, he deserves it. Go ahead, do that. But, 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 but the snake bites him when he's the apostle. The snake bites him when we see him at the end of his ministry. He's done some work here. He's done some incredible work here. He, he, he has done some amazing things for God. And the Bible says that he was, he was there. He was doing some pretty basic stuff. He's over there picking up some sticks and taking it to the fire, putting it on the fire. Pretty basic stuff. He was doing something good. And the Bible actually tells us why he got bit. The Bible says that a viper came out because of the heat. Now, I can stop right there, and I could preach a sermon to you, and I could preach all the metaphors to you about how the snakes come out when things start getting hot, and whenever you start getting the revival fire going, you better watch out for the snakes. That's when the snakes come out, and you better be ready. I can do all of that, but let's just let it be what it is. The snake came out because there was a fire. It's called nature. In other words, the snake just came out. 
The snake is not Satan. It's not a demon. How do I say this? Not everything that is coming against you is the enemy. Not everything that is coming against you is Satan. Not everything that's coming, sometimes, hear me, it's just a snake that's in the woods where it was supposed to be. I think it's important for us to look at this passage and understand that life happens. If I was Paul, or if most of us was Paul, this is what you and I would do, getting bit by that snake. We would hold up that snake, and we would look to the heavens, and we would say, God, why? Why this? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? All that I've done for you, I've preached your word, I have preached your gospel, I have served you, and I have committed my life to you, and this is what I get. Now, let me say this. I do believe that there are times, a lot of times, that we do need to be spiritually minded. We do need to be like, this is an attack of the enemy. This is a, this is a spiritual war. This is an attack. But sometimes, it's just life. You were, you were, so you were trying to back the car out of, so, out of the driveway so innocently, and you didn't see your husband's vehicle, and you put a nice little dent down the side of it. And now you're three to $5,000 in damage. Or you thought you could make that green light and it was yellow. And all of a sudden you thought you could just make it. But all of a sudden it was red and you got hit from the side. Your car got clipped. And now you have even thousands of more dollars out because of this. It just happens. It's just life. Apparently Paul's theology is informing him sometimes better than ours does. Because he literally, his theology isn't God, why? What does Paul do? He just shakes it off. And everyone around Paul takes notice. Everyone around, the people around Paul, the Bible says that they begin to say some things. This isn't something that they had witnessed before. This isn't something that they had been a part of before. What I'm, what I'm getting ready to try and convey to you guys this morning is that the court of public opinion that is now sharing thoughts about all of us, here's my message to you, let it go. Let it go. Do as Paul did. He just shook it off. Now, there's two parts to this. Letting go when it's a negative, that's easy. Letting go when it's the negative things in our life. That, but the other side isn't so convenient. The most convenient part about all of this that I'm sharing with you today is, is all the haters in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about haters in your life? All the, all the people, all the, all the haters in your life. That's the most convenient part. I know you know who I'm talking about. All the ones that want to come and try to explain to you, try to tell you, hey, this is, this is the reason that you got bit, my friend. This is, you've been doing this and you haven't been doing this and you haven't been doing that and, and oh, you know why you got bit? Because you ain't living right. All of the I told you so people, all of the 
haters. Well, something must not be right in your life uh, for you to get bit. Something must, you must be doing something wrong for all of that to happen. I'm going to tell you, you can do this and you can do that and you can do good and you can be good and still get bit. You can. It's easy to shake off those people. It's easy to let those people go. It's not if you get bit, it's when you get bit. And the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you get bit? Because when you get bit, there will be those who are going to be like, I knew it. I knew it. Let me help someone out here and just say, please do not be one of Job's friends. Please don't be one of Job's friends. There is a time to speak and there is a time to be quiet. Don't sit around explaining to so-and-so why they got bit because here's how fickle it is. Acts 28 and 4. So when the natives saw that the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. They thought Paul was being judged. And what does he do? He throws it off. He shakes it off and everyone stands back. One version says, one translation says that they jump to a conclusion. How <laughs> I many you know people like that? A jump to a conclusion. Watch this though. A few minutes later, it says that they jump to another conclusion. They saw, oh man, he didn't swell up. He didn't die. He is God. He is a God. These people, they're all over the place. They are all over the place. And my point is, just let it go. Just let it go. Just, just, that, that, this, just let it go. Now, the haters, that's an easy part. It's, it's easy to shake off the negative. It's easy to let go of the negative. But we need to learn to let it go with the praisers, too. Oh, you know why you're so blessed? Do you know why you're, let me tell you why you're so blessed. You're so blessed because you do this and you do that and you show up and you're here. And then you know a lot of times we don't really want God to, uh, to relate to us based on our performance. Except when my performance is amazing. <laughs> Except when I'm killing it. Then we want him to. But here's my point. You're going to land somewhere in the court of public opinion. You're not getting around that. So wherever you land, my message to you is just to let it go. Just to let it go. I love this about Paul. Because nowhere in this story does Paul say to the people, no, 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 no. God's not judging me. No, no, I'm a man of God. I'm Paul. I'm the apostle Paul. The viper doesn't know that I'm Paul. The viper didn't know that I'm Paul. And it's just a viper, guys. No, 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 no. He just gets bit and there's no words that are spoken by him. He just lets it go. 
Now I read this and I go, is this alluding to the fact that Paul understands Jesus in a way that I don't right now? And if Paul were alive today, then he wouldn't be jumping on his Facebook account making a post. I can't believe that's what they said about me. They're never getting away with that. Is this okay? When Jesus was falsely accused, he didn't speak. He didn't say a word. Remember when Pilate said, John 19, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize that I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Now that will get God talking. Jesus said, you have no power unless I gave it to you. Now, that's when he spoke up. But the accusations, Jesus just sat there silent. And so did Paul when it came to being bit. And they said, oh, you're a, you're a God. And still no response from Paul. There's this moment in the life of King David where he, was, he, was, he had this gang, this, this, this gang that the, they weren't the brightest and they weren't the sharpest, but they were, they were loyal. They loved David. I mean, they were loyal to a fault. And, and, and David said to some of these guys, this is 2 Samuel chapter 23, he says, hey, there's this well that I love. There's this, there's this water that tastes so good. I wish I could have that water. And so when everybody goes to sleep, some of the guys gather themselves together and they're like, hey, while he He's asleep. We need to, let's go get David some of that water that he's talking about. Now, we realize it's surrounded by the enemy camps, and, 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 but while they're sleeping, we'll just sneak in, and we'll get that water, and we'll sneak back out, and, and we'll, we'll blow David away. So they get the water. They come back to David, and they hand him the water. King, we got you this water. You're our guy. You're our king. We got this for you. And David takes the water, and the scripture says that he pours it out. Now, if I'm one of the guys, I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you realize I risked my life for this? And David's like, no, I can't drink this. I can't get drunk on your criticism, and I can't get drunk on your praise. If I drink this cup, I am digesting your praise as my own, and I can't do that. And you'll look at his words. He pours it out and says, it says, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord and said, far be it from me, Lord, to do this. What's David doing? He's saying this space right here is reserved for God, and I am not God. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. You see, a lot of us want to let it go, and we want to pour it out. We want to pour out the praises of people. No, 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 no. That's not where it starts. It starts with the criticism. When we learn 
to pour it out, when we learn to pour out the criticism, that sets in motion a practice that helps us shake off the praise when it comes. It's rarely the other way around. You will rarely find yourself being praised and going, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. You rarely find yourself doing that. And then you get criticized and you go, I know what this is. I'm going to pour this out. I'm going to let this go. That rarely happens. Criticism prepares you for praise. Because you're like, no, 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 no. And then here comes the praise. And hear me, between the two, I wish I could say that we took the praise in more, but our nature is that we take in the criticism a little bit more. But the message to us today is pour it out. Pour it out. Do not digest it. Do not give your, do not dwell on it whatever it is. It is tiring hearing about everyone's talk of the haters. We all have them. Congratulations, you're one of us. But that's not your nourishment. That's not our nourishment. We are just human beings. So pour it out. Pour it out. And I'm talking about both because they work together. That's why we need to pour them both out. Praise and the criticism. Praise and the criticism. And if you don't receive either one, guess what? That will enable you to be the person that God designed you to be. That will enable you to be who you truly are. Listen to the words of Paul. I am who I am. By the grace of God. Not by the criticism. Not by the praisers. I I am who I am by the grace of God. Paul says I labored more abundantly than you all. Yet not I but the grace of God through me. Paul's message in the praise and the criticism was the same. You know what that message was? It's him. It's him. It's always him. It's always been him. So he's saying, I relinquish the criticism and I let go of the praise. I just pour it out. I pour it out. Hey, you're just, you're just human. You're human. All of us. And so pinch yourself on your arm right now. Do it. Pinch yourself on the arm. I'm not going any further until you pinch yourself on the arm. Yeah. Hurts, right? We're flesh. We're human. All of us in this room. Here's what I know about being human. You're dependent. You're damaged. But you're also destined. Praise God. Every human is dependent. We are all dependent. You don't believe me? Let me ask you. Who set their own birthday in here? Anyone? No, you didn't, did you? Who chose who their parents were? Anyone? No. You are completely dependent. So when everyone wants to criticize you, 
when everyone wants to hate on you, hey, I'm just as dependent like you. I'm just as, we're human. We're both human. I'm dependent. I'm, I'm damaged just like you're damaged. But we do have a destiny. You have a destiny. Look at your neighbor, tell them you have a destiny. You have a direction in your life. I want to help somebody in the last few moments that I share with you today and just let you know, hey, there's a reason that you were born. There's a reason for it. And please hear me. It is not necessarily what you get money for. It is not necessarily where your income comes from for the reason God made you. It's the way that you see the world. It's the way that you speak to a friend. It's you being you and you matter and, you import, and you're important. I've always told the youth group this when I was youth pastoring. You be you because no one else can be you. You're important. You're valuable. You're human. I get it. You're dependent and you're damaged, but you also have a destiny. You have a calling. You have a plan for your life. And if I've learned anything about this life, is that the people, when you get bit by life, the people who jump to conclusions, they will never help you in your destiny. They will never help you in your destiny. Everyone around you that jumps to conclusions. Now, 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 I believe that God will take those that don't help you, and I think he'll just kind of move them over and allow them to help somebody else, to allow them to flourish in somebody, else, in somebody else's life. So don't get it twisted that if you change friends or allow some distance between you and another, that you are giving up on somebody. Don't get that mixed up. Because people who jump to conclusions and want to explain it away, they'll never be able to help you in your calling. They'll never be able to help you in your destiny. God is their keeper. And the same God who loves you, loves them, and will put them in an environment where they can flourish. But for you, you have a direction. You have a distinction. You have a gift, you have a calling, you have a purpose. There's something that is amazing about you. And you know what will keep, uh, what will keep you from being your amazing self? Not pouring it out. Not letting, that's gonna keep you from being you. The court of public opinion, <laughs> it's never gonna go away. Not in our lifetime. This court of public opinion is never going away. There are some people that believe, oh, maybe it will get better. May, and it's like, I, we were just having this conversation yesterday. I don't know if technology is going to make people better. I, 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 and I'm not trying to be negative Nancy over here. Sorry if anybody's named Nancy, but, but, but that's just what I think. I don't think that, oh, tech has taken a turn. Tech has taken a turn for the good. Now, I think that God uses technology. I think that I think he already has, and I think he will. But there are a lot of really hurtful things that happen to human beings via technology. And one of them is we are starting to believe people that we don't even know. 
people we don't even know. Well, you know, you're being judged. Really? God's, God's mad at me? Yes. And the loss you experience is because of X, Y, and Z. Hey, I get it. We've been through times of loss, a season of loss. People are losing. People are losing loved ones. People are losing jobs. And I've heard it said before, even by Christians. Well, you know why that happened? Listen, please do not let yourself be a part of the, the court of public opinion, the court that is trying to sign people up each and every day. Paul, he just let it go. He just shook it off, and you got to get around people who know how to do that. Here's the truth about opinions. Everybody has them. But I am not obligated to receive everyone's opinions. I am not obligated to receive what everybody's thoughts. I know what his thoughts are toward me. I know what his thoughts are toward you. I know what his thoughts are toward this church. And they are ones that are a blessing, of promise, of assurance, of eternity. I know what his word says about me. I don't need... A court of public opinion telling me yes, no, no, yes. John chapter 8, as our music comes, everybody's like, man, he's landing the plane early. Yes. <laughs> John chapter 8, there's a, there's a story of a woman who is actually, she's actually been discovered in the act of adultery. Now, the emphasis of the scripture is on the woman because that was the order of the day. This woman was to be stoned and killed, and there's no, there's no mention of the man. The injustice is horrific. So these men, they think they're going to stump Jesus, and they say, Jesus, this woman right here, we caught her in the very act. What will you say? Jesus is writing in the dirt. I've always wondered what he was writing in the dirt. He's writing in the dirt, and he gets up, and he says, well... Whoever doesn't struggle with sin themselves or have any sin at all, please feel free to assume the position of judge. Because there's only one criteria of being the judge. You cannot judge what you yourself struggle with. Jesus wasn't saying they can't judge. No, 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 no. He's saying, you can be judged. Anyone? 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 Looks at them all. Anyone? You could, you could do it. And at least these arrogant men had enough sense to be like, yeah, you got me there. So they drop the rocks and they go away and Jesus is in the dirt. And he says to the woman, where are your accusers? Where's the court of public opinion for you? 
Where did they go? She looks up and she says, there's, there's no one, Lord. He says, I don't condemn you either. Don't get caught up in the court of public opinion. It seems that there are many that are here right now caught up in the what so-and-so said, what so-and-so posted, what they tweeted. Has what, has what somebody said about you, I'm asking you, has what somebody said about you kept you up at night? Kept you wandering through the day? Can I tell you from this story, Jesus can clear the air? In a, in a moment, he can clear the air. This is what he said. She says, no one, Lord. And he says, I don't condemn you either. Church, stop drinking it in. Pour it out. Pour it out. The praise, the criticism, the hate, the justice, the injustice, pour it out. He says, where did everybody go? They're gone. And here's the good news. Watch what he says. Go. 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 Probably the most operative word in the Bible. Go. Which means get up. Dust yourself off. Get up. Pour it out. Let it go. Jesus is saying, hey, this mistake doesn't define you, and I won't let it define you. The success isn't going to define you, and he's not going to let it define you. Pour it out. Pour it out. They say the saddest person in the United States of America is former presidents former presidents because the former presidents know they believe that the person that comes in right after them will never reach the height of power will never reach the height of success that they once were I would like to disagree with that and tell you that the offices of this land, they do not dictate the value of an individual human being. This isn't about the job you hold, the renown you hold, the title you have or don't have. Jesus says, I don't see you like that. I don't see you as the woman caught in adultery. This title was given to her later by church translators. That's not her name. And that doesn't define who she is. But it's not just your defeats. It's also your accomplishments. They don't make you they don't say who you are so pour it out pour it out far be it for me Lord pour it out pour it out Jesus says go who says go to a woman with a sin problem who says go to a woman caught up in adultery Jesus stop saying go you need to start hollering stay find an altar not go this is what he said go and sin no more now I don't have time to jump into into this this morning but but Jesus was pointing to the cross that had not yet happened yet he was pointing to a time a time because as of right now this wasn't possible go and sin no more let me give you a little Bible study if you stand with me this morning 
There's an Old Testament. Somebody help me out. There's a... The Old Testament primarily is dealing with the law of Moses, the, the, the Ten Commandments. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but scholars agree that there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. If you've ever seen Orthodox Jews or been around Orthodox Jews, they have this blue and white, white prayer shawl. It's got these tassels on each corner. But it's not just random ornamentation. These tassels are made from 613 threads, one for every law in the Old Testament. Now, what was the purpose of the law? What was its purpose? Well, this is what it says in Galatians 3. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. Now, back then, they didn't have schools like you and I have. They would have literal men who were, who were schoolmasters. And what they would do is they would go into a town, and they would gather the group of children, and they would say, hey, we're going to have school down by the river. We're going to have school over in this part of town. We're going to go down by the lake today. That's where we'll have school. His job was to get everybody to the place where the lesson was going to be taught. That's the purpose of the law, to, to bring us to Jesus. You hear people talk a lot of times about the will of God, the will of God. I preached about the will of God. Pastor preached about the will of God. The will of God sometimes, a lot of people, they make it so mystical. Like the will of God. Not, not pastor or myself. I'm saying there's some people. Not pastor. But the will of God is pretty simple. You need to be in the church. You need to be in the church. You need to be in the body. Last will and testament. We have an old and we have a new. What was the last thing that Jesus said? I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build. So the gospels is Jesus telling us his will. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are saying, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build this church. I'm going to build a church. The book of Acts is how you get in that church. You got to be born into it. There's this theory out there that once you're saved, you're always saved. I wish it was true. I wish it was true. It's not. All you got to do is read the first story in the Bible. You got to turn to the first story about they're in the garden, they get booted out. That doesn't sound like unconditional, eternal security to me. It sounds like conditional. You do what I say and I'll let you stay. Jesus says, He that endures the end shall be saved. A lot of people start. A lot of people start. You got to finish. You got to finish strong. You can't just start this thing. And what I want you to understand, when you deal with 613 rules, these people were told exactly what to do. And even though they knew exactly what to do, what was being asked of them, they knew exactly what it was. They had trouble doing it. Because that's the purpose of the law. The law requires righteousness, but it can't produce it. 
So here's my question. How could Jesus ask a woman to go and sin no more without the Holy Ghost? Go and sin no more. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You haven't died yet. You haven't been buried yet. You haven't resurrected yet. You haven't been glorified yet. The Holy Ghost hasn't been poured out yet. Listen again. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. Isn't that who she's in front of in that moment? Isn't that what's happening? What he is saying is, hey, you get me coupled with that discipline in your life and you can live above sin. Jesus was saying, I want you to go and sin no more. What he was saying was, I want you to go and never live a day, another day without me. Go and don't spend any more time without me. Let me give you value. Let me give you distinction. Let me speak to who you are. He's saying, don't let your shortcomings define you. Go! Go! And I want to say that to you this morning. It's time to get going. It's time to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, pour it out, and get going. What are you waiting for today? Life is a vapor. It's time to get going. What are we waiting for? Are you waiting for everything to be right again? For it to be perfect, it's not happening. Pour it out. Pour it out. The good, the bad, pour it out. Let's get going. As they begin to sing this morning, I want you just to pray to the Lord right now. I just want you to talk to the Lord. Come on, we've been called. You are called. You have a purpose. You have a Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.